brilliant. Thank you. Well read. You'll notice there are a couple of words in that reading that were emboldened. That was, I was meant to debold them. That was from my, my study. So that's not, a, that's not in the Bible. They're not bold out there. Um, it's good to see you all. How are we all feeling? We awake, live and kicking, blood pumping through our veins. It's good. It's good. Every breath we take is a gift from God, isn't it? Um, it's humbling to think of that. But it's true. Okay, so... Um, this week we are continuing with the I am uh, sayings of Jesus. We're in kind of part two. Um, and today we turn our attention to, uh, I said, the second one of these sayings, which is I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. What does he mean by this? Well, actual light, real light, is the means by which uh, we can all see what's going on. If there was no light in this room, we actually wouldn't be able to see anything. Uh, and Jesus, in saying that he is the light of the world, is saying that he, uh, he is the means by which we can see spiritual and moral reality. It's because of the light that Jesus can shed on our hearts and our minds that we can actually understand some of the mysteries of God. Before we get too much further into this, though, we are going to play a little game because I like games. And the feedback I had from Bible, not Bible, was exceptional. So we, we, we liked that game. We liked Bible, not Bible. So today we're playing a game, and that game is Two Truths, and a lie. It's kind of a game. It's kind of a, kind of a, trying to, me trying to work out really who the lie detectors are, the human lie detectors in the congregation. So I need to know who I need to, to worry about, who I can't slip little lies past, you know, without them noticing. Um, but my hope is that um, through doing this, you'll learn a little bit about me, but also that I'll find out who are the human lie detectors in our congregation, in our midst. So um, what I'm going to do, it's really easy. Basically, there are going to be three statements that come up in order on the screen. And um, they're statements about me. And two of these statements are absolutely true. And one of them is a complete fabrication. Okay? And it's your job to kind of guess what that is. I might, if I'm feeling really generous, I might allow you to ask a question or two as we go along to see if, if it stacks up. Okay, so can we have the first statement on the screen, please? Okay. So I have been on a total of four outdoor rock climbing trips, uh, two of which ended in calling the mountain rescue helicopter. Okay, that is statement number one. Okay, uh, I'll tell you what, we'll do all three, and then I'll allow a little bit of like Q&A, just if, okay. Um, number two, okay, I once had breakfast uh, in Birmingham with Mr. Bean, uh, the actor Rowan Atkinson. Um, okay. Uh, and statement number three, I am in fact uh, a walking, talking, lethal weapon. I have a black belt in karate. Now, there are people in my family who are here who are already whispering, you can't do that, you can't tell, you've already given the game away, haven't you, totally. Um, okay, so those are three. Do you want a quick recap? You can go recap. So first, 
four outdoor rock climbing expeditions, um, two of them ending with calling out mountain rescue. Uh, number two, breakfast in Birmingham with Mr. Bean is Rowan Atkinson. Uh, number three, I'm in fact, fact, a black belt in karate. Um, so deadly and mind your P's and Q's. Um, okay, those, those, are, those are the three. Now you're probably like, uh, are any of these actually true? Uh, they are, yeah. So any, any questions? Anyone want to ask? Yeah, pretty, yes, pretty, pretty much. We are. We are playing Would I Lie to You. Um, any, any questions that people would like to ask? Simon, yes, come on, let's have a... No, it was a totally chance encounter. Yeah. So he was trying to basically... Um, I, th I think he was going to some kind of launch of something or other in Birmingham. Um, it was kind of by the bull ring, and I just kind of got chatting, chatting to him in Starbucks. Um, so it was... Um, yeah. Very weird, but yeah. Did he recognize? Yeah, he totally did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He recognized me. He said, Andy, I'm a big fan. Uh, and then the conversation, that actually is a lie. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, what it, that's what it is. Yeah. They were. Yeah, yeah. They, they, weren't for, they weren't for me. Yeah. What's my favorite kata? Uh, well, uh, Jukitsudo, which is the black belt kata, which is all of the other ones strung together. So. Yes, Simon. Okay, so um, the, first, the first crisis was in uh, Alicante in Spain. Um, there's a place, oh, crumbs, what's the name of it now? Um... I can't remember the name of the place. Basically, there was a, about a 17 or 18 pitch climb, and there was a guy who unzipped on the penultimate pitch. There was one for the top, really tired at the end of the day, and just all his gear pinged out, and he bounced down and, yeah, ended up a bit of a bloody mess. And um, we were actually, like, watching the helicopter fly around trying to find him, and kind of, I was on a phone literally directing the helicopter pilot. It was a bizarre experience, so. Uh, and the other one was in um, Northwest Wales, Porth Maddock type area. So. Okay, I'm gonna allow like maybe two more questions. Simon, go on. Where did I train? Um, I had two phases of training. One was in um, Winchcombe. Was it was it Winchcombe? Yeah, Winchcombe. Sorry. What, what was it? Yeah, it was, it was Winchcombe, Winchcombe School, actually. Uh, so Winchcombe uh, was my first thing, and then I had a break for a bit, and then I did some training in Leamington. So, yeah. Two different instructors, but both were good. Yeah. I don't know, let's, let's try, shall we? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Has anyone got, oh, yeah, I don't think a watermelon would, would, would work. Okay, I think that's probably enough uh, inquiry. Um, so I'm going to ask, okay, um, family are forbidden from voting, and people probably sitting next to family as well, because you've just been told. <laughs> okay, so uh, who, apart from you guys, because I know you guys, um, who, thinks, who thinks that that is the lie? Okay, so there's a few, few lies there. Okay, who thinks Mr. Bean is the lie? Okay, and who thinks that the lethal weapon one is, is a lie? 
Okay, it was a bit of a spread. I'm, quite, I'm kind of pleased. Yes, I fooled some of you. That's great. Okay, I can, I can in fact reveal that the lie is... I'm going to go back up. I have not had breakfast with Rowan Atkinson. That was a, that was a fabrication. Uh, quite random. I don't even know why I thought of that as a lie. I just, I just thought it would be good. I, I think it was possibly the, th the train of thought was that I did actually on one occasion have breakfast with Rowan Williams. Um, <laughs> uh, but but like, that was not just me. It was like me and a, a bunch of about 20 or 30 other people. Um, and then uh, probably just the name Rowan got into my head and I thought, oh yeah, that, that, could, that could be good. Okay, well, you're good sports. Um, who, were the one, who were the ones that guessed that one right, by the way? I think probably the biggest, that, you had the majority, though, I think. So, yeah, I'm obviously not a perfect liar, which is, I guess, a good thing for a vicar. So, <laughs> so well done. Um, now, some of you in the room have obviously just worked that out. Well done. Um, but knowing what's true and what's not isn't always easy, is it? It's just, just shown by, by that. You know, people lie. Uh, it's not always easy to work out what's true. And we're exposed to so many voices, aren't we, these days? Um, so many contradictory voices as well, all with like equal certainty. They're like, this is, this is true, this is true. People saying things that seem to be true, but um, all equally, uh, equally passionate about their, their, their voices. Um, and the, the, the challenge is that in and among these voices, it's really easy to begin to believe things that just aren't true. So if last week, when we looked at Jesus being the bread of life, that lie was about, oh, the lie that he was correcting was kind of the world can satisfy your spiritual hunger. In other words, you know, money, experiences, human relationships, that they're ultimately going to satisfy. If that's the lie he was correcting with his bread of life statement, then the lie that Jesus is out to correct with the light of the world statement is simply that you can see perfectly well or to put it another way, you can discern truth from lies without any need for consulting with God. That you can, you can do it on your own. You don't need help from God to work out what's true and what's not. Um, but the truth is that we can't. We can't actually work out what's true without help from God. And what we all need desperately is a dependable voice that will, that's authoritative and that kind of cuts through all the other voices and rings out with truth. Now, the religious leaders had a huge problem with Jesus' claims to be the light of the world because he was claiming a special authority without other people affirming it, which in some ways was quite understandable, I think. You know, from a human perspective, the way that we can understand often someone to be speaking honestly is by having additional witnesses. It's other people agreeing with the person who's making the claim or affirming their claim. And here, Jesus is making a massive truth claim. He's claiming to be this authoritative kind of light, seemingly without anyone backing him up. He's not got somebody else there saying, yeah, he's right, and I can affirm this, and this is why. Of course, you know, they're going to be skeptical. It's a bit like a person, maybe who's kind of been accused of a crime, someone doing a bank robbery, for example. And then when the defense barrister calls forward the only defense witness to the stand, the defense witness he calls 
is the suspect. <laughs> That's kind of the equivalent. It's a bit like going up to the suspect and putting him on the stand saying, so, did you rob the bank? He's like, nope. <laughs> and they're like, that's fine by me. <laughs> of course, the Pharisees are skeptical. They, in some way, they, they want, they, it's quite a logical position. And Jesus actually says, you're thinking the way that the world thinks, more or less. That's kind of the Andy Smith paraphrase. Um, but you're thinking the way the world thinks, and you want additional witnesses. So how can we then say that Jesus' words are trustworthy? Well, what Jesus is effectively saying is that Everything he says is straight from the mouth of the Father, who is completely authoritative and morally perfect. It's a bit like, you know, um, who watched some, some of the Women's World Cup recently? Some people who watched some of the other World Cup, who's seen football and is aware of this thing called VAR. Uh, there's this thing called VAR which has been introduced, which is this kind of way of checking reality. Yeah, prior to VAR and this video kind of capture thing, it was like if, if somebody had done something or fouled and it was over here and the ref hadn't seen, it was just like without that evidence, it was, just, it was just the ref's word against someone else's or two people's words against each other. And actually establishing what's true was really, really difficult. Now, people will have seen it on TV potentially, but, but, but the ref in that moment has got no comeback. Um, with VAR, there's this, now there's this kind of authoritative tape with a team of people that is like monitoring the footage all the time. Uh, and the ref has got this kind of hotline in his ear or her ear that, um, that, that, that tells them exactly what reality is, what's happened, or at least whether they need to go and check again. Now, obviously, you can only take metaphors so far, including this one. But basically, what Jesus is saying is, you know, I don't need other people to verify what I'm saying, because my dad's on VAR. <laughs> he can see it all already. He's, he, he knows exactly what's going on. He can, you know, he, he's this kind of authoritative voice that is there, and he says that I'm spot on with absolutely everything. End of story. So what does that mean for us today? Well, the cultural and moral landscape is changing so rapidly at the moment. And what this means is now more than ever, we need to test things that we hear against the word of God. I, I kind of like to have a bit of fun with this. It's almost like there's, um, th there's so much that comes at us, including things like TV adverts are like the worst, you know? And it's like you can play this kind of game almost that is like call out the lie. Do you ever do that? Like things like, you know, the, the, like the, the, the slogan for Coca-Cola, taste happiness. It's like, okay, what's... It, what's the lie here? Like, I'm going to drink Coca-Cola and be, like, filled and imbued with this joy that permeates every aspect of my life. It's like, come on, seriously. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I encourage you, play the game, call out the lie. There's other stuff that's just in our culture as well. I'm going to pick a few of them that I just think are kind of interesting. Okay, some of these might be a bit unpopular. I don't know. Okay, the first one is, okay, uh, you're a good person, Okay. That is the, that is the most, like, honestly, you hit, like, every single American TV show. It's like, oh, you're a good person, you're a good person, you're a good person, you're good. It's like where, like, where does that come from? What does that even mean? Who gets to say what the standard is? If you're a good person, what does that make the other person that's not quite as good as you? Does that make them a bad person? Where's the line? What constitutes good? You're a good person. What does the Bible say? The, what the Bible says is that we are 
people that are made in the image of God, that we are infinitely precious, that we're valuable, that there's something worthy and good in all human beings. Yes, absolutely. But morally, what it actually says, morally what it says is there is no one righteous, not even one. Obviously, that excludes Jesus. Jesus is, Jesus, if Jesus is the benchmark for goodness, nobody's good. Sorry, guys, you're not good. Neither am I. It's Jesus. He's the only one. He is the benchmark by which we get to say that something is ultimately perfectly good. So that's one. You're a good person. Mm, I'm not really. Jesus is good. I'm less than good. Um, okay, number two. You can do anything that you put your mind to. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> like I was saying earlier on, wasn't I, about the breath in our lungs? Like I'm standing here breathing because God is letting me. Like I could die at any moment and God might just let that happen. Okay, like, like we can't do anything without God apart from Jesus we can do nothing. Number three. Okay, this, is what, this one's the best one. Follow your heart. <laughs> okay, follow your heart. Okay, again, it's one of these kind of like secular wisdom slogans. Follow your heart. Um, what a great bit of advice. Not. When you've got big decisions or you're wondering what you should or shouldn't do, what's right or what's wrong, Follow your heart. Is that sensible? Is it right? I believe if I followed my heart and what my heart was telling me to do a lot of the time, I would probably end up in a pretty big mess. What does God's word say about our hearts? The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now, I, I temper this with the fact that it says in Scripture that God has given, taken our heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh. And so I think there's something about the regenerate heart that is, kind of comes into line more and more with what God says. But we still have to acknowledge that we're not Jesus, that we're not perfect, and that our hearts are not 100% reliable. And sometimes our hearts will lead us to things or, or draw us towards things that actually are really not going to be good for us. <laughs> we can be honestly really kind of, I know, we might be like really attracted to someone, and it's like we're married, or it's like, like following your heart can be pretty pretty disastrous. So friends, if we try to figure life out on our own, um, it's kind of the definition of walking in darkness. Uh, we won't dis detect where the truth is and where the lies are. Jesus, however, is the light of the world. If we follow him, it says we never have to walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to have a brief time of prayer, and then we're going to go to communion. Verity, I love what you've done with your fingers. That's, <laughs> that's impressive. Um, okay, if, you, if you're a young person or, or the young at heart, in your baskets, you should find a candle somewhere, like a little, uh, an electric one, like battery-powered. Feel free to grab a basket.